Amen. Uh, well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday service, those of you who are in front of me in person, as well as those who are joining at home or wherever you may be online. Uh, welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is James. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Hope Community Church, and it's truly a, a privilege to deliver a message to you today uh, from the Word of God. Um, this is part three of the Compel series, or Caring for One Another in Time of Isolation. And since it's been a while, we've been separating this series every few weeks or so. If I can just quickly recap it for you. About a month ago, Pastor Steve, uh, he taught us out of Ecclesiastes 4, uh, talking to us about why two is better than one, or two are better than one, and gave us four reasons as to why biblically. And then a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ben taught us out of Matthew 5, and he told us that our cell groups can be a powerful place where the power of the cross can actually be lived out. And he also gave us four things that we can practically be doing to live out those values. And today, I want to talk to you about the work of prayer. Prayer works, amen? God listens. Amen. I want to give a quick shout out uh, before we get to the word uh, to my own cell group, actually, to Brea Force. So some of you are here. So thank you so much, guys, for uh, welcoming me and my family, a pastor family, uh, into your cell group. And those of you who are watching at home, uh, you guys are so amazing. And uh, this is, I guess, a shameless plug for anyone else who are watching or those of you who are here haven't coming out to our church for a while uh, that hasn't really checked out a small group or um, whatnot, please, uh, it's a great opportunity to really join us and to experience a life of following Jesus together as we try our best to care for one another in a time of isolation like this. So can I just encourage you uh, to check out our small groups. The word of God today is from Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And here a reading of the word of God. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask for or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, I, I simply ask that you would be here with us at Living Hope in all of our hearts, in our families, in your Holy Spirit. God, as we read your word and try to understand what it is that you are giving us, Lord, we cannot do that without the power of your spirit. And we pray that you would grant us, God, we welcome you and invite you into this place, into our hearts, into our relationships, into our workplaces, into the dark things that we carry in our hearts knowingly, Unknowingly, God, we pray for your healing and restoration and freedom. Teach us, God, how to pray. Teach us to pray, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Please allow me to give you some context of uh, this passage that we have read in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, the entire book was actually written by Apostle Paul around AD 62. And scholars are pretty confident of this. This is one of the prison letters of Paul. Books like Philippians uh, would be another one. It's the one that Paul wrote towards the end of his life while being in prison or house arrest in Rome after having completed three missionary journeys that has been recorded in the book of Acts. And by this time, scholars say that the church had been well mixed with Gentiles and Jewish believers alike. And Ephesians is unique in all, all of Paul's letters in that it wasn't actually written to resolve or address a specific theological or ecclesiological issue. Rather, it was written to generally encourage and strengthen the church. And that's why a lot of scholars do think that this letter, Ephesians, was not only sent to the church at Ephesus, but it was also circulated around all over the early church and again we have to remember as we read this book that church at this time was well mixed ethnically and culturally and it's no wonder then in Ephesians chapter 2 right in the middle of it Paul starts to talk about how we have this assumed unity in Christ assumed unity meaning although things might not look different although you and I or people back then may have shared all these different cultures and tenets and history and preferences and practices especially over circumcision or not circumcision that Paul says that we have a unity that has been assumed in Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 3, Paul starts to talk about how that particular assumed unity, that unity that we have been given already, is, to be, is a mystery of Christ that's to be revealed through the church, which is the body of Christ, and that he himself as an apostle of Christ is suffering for it. And then that's when we get this passage in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 and beyond that starts off by saying, for this reason, I bow my knees. Meaning, for this reason, for the reason of assumed unity, I'm even suffering for it and therefore I'm praying. And then in chapter 4 is Paul's practical exhortations of how a local church should structure itself and even carry out this assumed unity in Christ Jesus. So if I can summarize all of that for you, it's that we have assumed unity in Christ. Even through suffering, for which we are praying for or we should pray for, and there's the practical exhortations. Assumed unity even through suffering, prayer living out that unity. And, and I've said a whole lot, of, uh, whole lot there. That, that's a mouthful. Sorry, I, I was trying to come up with like a cool acronym or something, but, but I couldn't. So, you know, that's the best I could say it, I guess. Assumed unity even through suffering, prayer, and to live out that unity. And when I hear all of that, um, ironically or interestingly, I think about uh, Peloton. I, I don't know if, you, uh, if any of you have Peloton or if you know what that is. Um, it's this indoor bike. I don't know if you ever go to like spinning class or whatever. So uh, about six months ago, I realized that I'm never going to go back to the gym again um, because one, I don't really work out. And two, uh, I, I thought, well, even if the gym opens, I don't know if I'll feel safe to go back. And so what I did was I took gym membership money and then just put it into this little bike. Uh, and it's kind of expensive, actually. And it's a little fancy, but uh, I'm glad that I did it because I have been now exercising a little bit more than I ever did. I, I don't know if you could tell, but um, that's okay, even if you couldn't. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
not sure if the laughter like makes me feel bad or comforts me. I don't know. Um, but I got it, and then I, I just realized, like, you know, I've been doing it three, four times a week, and every time I go on in, there's all these different instructors, and there's a lot of assumption of unity. Uh, every single one of these instructors, they will call you as a team. Like, hey, team, you know, good morning, or, you know, welcome, team, and let's do this together, team. Like, yeah, team, go for it. I'm like, I don't know you, you know, <laughs> like, I've never met you before. And then they refer to the entire, you know, collection of Peloton users as community, right? Like, Peloton community. It comes out so naturally to them, like, oh, community, okay. And then there's little high-five buttons that you can do. You can just like high-five like thousands of people. Like, you know, it's kind of hard too because you're like spinning and you're like, oh, oh, high-five, you know. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I do that and sometimes I don't. You can use like hashtags to like, you know, belong to like a specific group like Pelo Moms or like, you know, I do this for donuts or like Pelo Pastors, you know, that's me. Um, just kidding. I don't do that, all right? <laughs> like I, I'm not that cool. So, you know, I just stay quiet. Um, yeah, and each instructor has their own little crews too, and they use hashtags to like name themselves and so on. So there's a lot of assumed unity there. And then every single class, these instructors are constantly giving you um, exhortations to live out that unity. Like, let's do this together, team. Like, give me this team. Like, come on, rise up together, team. I'm like, oh, I hate this. You know, like, I don't know why I bought it, but I still do it anyway. So there's a lot of assumed unity and a lot of exhortation to live out that unity and what's missing, the suffering and prayer. And let me tell you, there's a lot of suffering and prayer in Peloton, okay? Sometimes my daughter comes up to me and she looks really concerned. Like she's a second grader. She looks at she's like, Daddy, are you okay? Get away from me, Abigail. No, I'm not okay right now. Pray for me, okay? I don't know why they come up with these classes. Like some of them are called HIT high intensity interval training <laughs> like who does that like I, I don't appreciate it you know but i still do it anyway so i don't know all for the donuts i guess but you know more and more i've been doing this peloton thing what i'm starting to appreciate is that it, it's become a way to care for myself and care for others even um, the high fives of course you know it makes me feel like little accomplished right like because it shows up other people's screens if you if this is like your 10th ride or 50th ride or whatever if you had a personal record like people random people all over the world can see it and kind of acknowledge you so you feel kind of good about that you know and you can do the same for other people whether you know or you don't know and then you can add your friends and so it's like social media but like exercising and so you can follow one another you can do it together you can encourage one another you know, and all that stuff. And of course, I feel like I belong to a larger culture because of all the community aspect, all the team language, all the assumed unity that it's really exhorting me to live out. I feel like I'm part of something larger than myself. And that's been strangely comforting in this time of isolation that we're all living in in COVID. And when we read the book of Ephesians, it really strikes me that this entire letter was written by Paul as a way to show care for the entire church in a time of isolation. Remembering that Paul was in house arrest or he was in prison in the city of Rome, not knowing what was going to happen to him, expecting even death before testifying or after testifying to the Caesar himself. 
And when I read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, again, what I see is a lot of assumed unity in Christ. Assumed unity in Christ. That we are connected one spiritually no matter what. Regardless of where we are, how we are, whether we feel like it or like it or not. And unfortunately, what I examine in my own life, and sometimes even yours with all due respect, is not a lack of assumption of unity, but it's more of an assumption of disunity. This is what I mean. When we go to our cell groups, right, and, and let me just say, please don't misunderstand me. I think our cell groups are amazing. I highly, highly recommend you to join it. I myself have benefited. For those of you who know me, I've joined Living Hope during the middle of pandemic. And so, you know, our cell group people in particular have really shown me care. Like, you have thought of things that we would need, care for my kids, given me gifts and given me encouragements and prayed for me. Our, my R2A community, our college group staff in particular too. And for those of you who have met me personally, sending me encouragements, keeping friendship with me, like those are all things that are very Christ-like and those are absolutely necessary. But what I mean is that what we are doing when we try to show for care for one another is that we oftentimes end up doing it without assuming the spiritual unity that we have been given in Christ Jesus. And how it plays out is this. We would join a cell group or we'll go to a cell group, we check it out, and then we see all these things that other people may need or we kind of feel it out and we start judging like, okay, is this the right group for me? Um, is this situationally right? Is the timing right? Am I ready to do this? Or is the other person worth it for me to give this some sort of care? And then in the name of Christ, we do it and we are intentional, but we carry it out to a certain point. And when things get hard, when the other person starts to become weird or when that person starts to depend on you a little too much or when the vibe is not that fun anymore or life situation starts to become different for you or the rest of the group, we start to fizzle out. And in time of isolation like this, where things are stacked against us, all the easier. We stop showing up. We stop caring. I would say that that's a secular way of thinking or caring. Because a biblical way of thinking and caring is not your problem is ultimately your problem. But it's that rather your problem is ultimately my problem. Think about your own families or think about anyone that you really care for, like the one that you love so much, your spouse, your kids, your best friends, your mentors, your whoever it may be in your life. Wouldn't you say that whatever it is that they are going through, you literally assume in your mind, soul, and heart, and in your entire being that this is your issue? That you're not thinking whether this person's problem is worthy of your mind space or physical energy or your money or other resources that you have or even your prayer. But you're thinking, I have to do something for it. I have to, even at the cost of suffering, care for that person because he is me and I am him or she is mine and I am hers. And what Paul is saying here in the entire book of Ephesians really is that that type of assumption of spiritual unity in Christ Jesus is what we have been given as his church, as his body. 
And can I ask you, again, with all due respect and recognition and the benefit that I have received from many of you of your care for me, how are we praying for one another? I think we're doing an amazing job. I think Living Hope as a church, I mean, we're not perfect, but I think we're, one of our strengths is the warmth and the care that we provide to one another. I, I really think so, and praise God for that. But can I ask, how about when no one is looking? How about when we're at home? How about when we're praying for one another? How much of our time and energy and heart and peace of our hearts are, are we pouring into the people that we care for? How are we blessing them? Not just the amazing and creative things that we're doing for one another practically, but spiritually when no one is looking, when nobody might even know and even care, how are we blessing one another? When there's a problem that's a, that, that has become, how are we forgiving one another in the heart of our hearts when nobody can tell just by looking at us physically? Prayer is necessary for us to care for one another biblically and spiritually because there's assumed unity that you and I have been called to have. We have already been bound to have this in Christ Jesus, whether we like it or not, whether the other person could not be more different than you are or not. The reality, the true reality is that because of Jesus, that person and you have become one. That person's problem has become your problem. And prayer is necessary if we're going to truly care for one another. Because check out what it says in today's passage. It says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And in verse 16, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. It says that prayer, what it does is it strengthens our inner being in the power of his Holy Spirit. And in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, it says that prayer will strengthen us so that we may be grounded in Christ's love and faith. And then in verse 19, it says, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It says prayer will fill our hearts with all that can come from our God. Living hope, I pray and hope and ask that we do not fall into the trap of human love that we can give to one another, that we take a step, that we commit to Christ this morning, that we take a step further than all the nice and warm and compassionate things even that we are doing, all the quote-unquote good things that we have been doing, but that we turn our physical care into spiritual care this morning, amen? And the only way to care for one another physically and beyond spiritually is the works of prayer. We have to pray 
Because prayer is the very thing that will fill us with all that can come from God. Prayer is the way that can ground us with the faith and love from Jesus Christ himself. Not your love and my love that is so conditional and situational and limited. But the love of God that has forgiven enemies. The love of God that has welcomed the prodigal sons and daughters into the father's arms. That is the only way. The works of prayer is the only way for us to really love on one another as Christ has loved us. And this is all because you and I have already been bound as one in Christ Jesus. And if you're thinking, man, is this guy pressuring me and burdening me to like pray? Like, because let's face it, right? Like, if we can just go all into our closets and pray and not, like, meet up, that wouldn't work, right? Like, that, that wouldn't work. Just, so if you're saying, man, like, James, are you burdening me with works of prayer and on top of that do all the practical things that I've been doing for the people that I care for? The simple answer is yes, and I'm sorry that I, I am burdening you. And I know that Caring for one another, even practically, especially right now, is so difficult. Um, this past week for me, um, it's, been, it's been one of those weeks where, like, I think the year of living in pandemic has just all kind of come crashing down. Um, and, and it happened, like, rather fast. I don't know why. Like, nothing bad happened. I think it's just all that burden of just working from home. And, you know, I have a little second grade at home with me, and I love her. She's my treasure. But, you know, she has online school, right? And I'm not a teacher. Like, I'm a pastor, and, you know, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, whenever there's a little bit of issues, like, she comes to me and crying, like, you know, Daddy, like, I didn't get picked for the song of the day. I'm like, how dare your teacher, you know. Sorry, Mrs. Thompson, if you're watching this, I, I, you're cool, you know, like, nothing against you. And doing laundry and doing the dishes and because I'm trying to be a good husband and you know, my wife, she's in healthcare, so I know that she's been extra tired just by going to work and getting pulled to different places and wearing all the personal protections. And, you know, she comes home wiped out, so I try to do what I can. And then, you know, trying to write a sermon, it takes, you know, blocks of hours of thinking. And, you know, I'm just not very good at, you know, getting interrupted and then going back to it again. So I have to, like, you know, calm myself down and going back to it takes a lot of energy. And just doing that for a whole year, I think it just came crashing down. And, you know, I start like wallowing in my sorrow, right? Like, oh, I can't see my friends or like, oh, like my favorite restaurant is not open or that coffee shop is closed. Like, ah, oh, life sucks. It's terrible, you know. Oh, I don't know if you're with me, you know, some of you are nodding your heads and I'm so sorry. That's, that's our life, right? Like that's been our lives. And God forbid some of you, you have lost family members. You have had friends who have suffered. And some of you have gotten sick yourselves. It's difficult, is it not? And so I understand. It's been hard for me too. But the reason why I'm confident in urging you towards the works of prayer is because 
prayer, a biblical thinking, a biblical caring is based on what God can and has and will do for us when secular thinking and caring is based on what you can and what I can do without God. And this is why I say that. If you look at verse 20, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Now to God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. It says God is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or even think. That when you don't feel like caring for your own loved ones because life has just worn you down, pray. Because God can and God will. When that cell group member disagrees with you politically or personally or just gets under your skin because he or she does little things or big things that you just can't stand, pray. Ask God for forgiveness because God can and God will do far more abundantly than you can ask or you can think. When that cell group member or when your friends or family is sick and you don't know what to do, when you have lost your loved ones and you are hurt and sad and lost and angry, pray because God can and God will do far more abundantly than we can ask or think. And to him, to this God, who can do far more than we can ever ask or think, be glory in the church and Christ Jesus who has given us this unity worthy enough to suffer for it through prayer throughout all generations to your family and my family, to this church, to his global church, city of Brea, state of California, across this nation, to people of God forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together, church. I want to call upon you to pray with me, just however you feel comfortable, out loud or silently, to really pray to God, asking him for strength, the fullness of God that can come, the rootedness of love and faith in Christ that prayer does as it is written in Ephesians 3. Would you pray with me for that? Times are so hard in many different ways, and perhaps it's been good for you, or perhaps it's been bad for you, wherever it may be, we certainly are living in a time of isolation and we just can't care for one another alone. But we have a God who can do far more abundantly than we can ask or think. So would you join me in praying? Ask God for strength, for peace, and for love, and faith, and depth, so that he can fill you up with all of those things in his spirit. Let's pray together, church.
So Lord, I thank you so much for all the love that I have received personally, all the love that my family has been given, God, through your precious sons and daughters at Living Hope Church. Lord, this is your doing, and I don't think of it lightly. It's a blessing to receive. But Lord, help us not, help us not to be content here at Living Hope. Lord, help us to change our secular way of caring for one another to a biblical way of caring. Lord, help us to pray, God, because it is prayer that you answer. It is prayer that gives us your spirit. It is prayer, God, that fills us anew with the fullness of your Holy Son, Jesus. It is prayer that invites you to live among us so that we may be grounded in the love and faith that you give. And you, God, are one who do far more than we can ever imagine. And so I bless your people here at Living Hope Community Church that you, Lord God, that you would help us to pray, that you would answer our prayers, that we would be up for the hard work of praying to you in secret places while caring still for one another practically in our cell groups and may you renew souls and hearts may you heal people who are sick god may you heal brokenness lord may you relieve burdens may you remove anxiety jesus may you fill us anew bind this heart god with a holy heavenly love that only you can give help us to do this in jesus name amen <laughs>